Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. My guest today is Raquel Dancho, who is the MP for Kildonan St. Paul in Winnipeg and currently the Shadow Minister for Public Safety. Raquel, it's great to have you with me today. You've had a really busy couple of weeks. Yes, I have. It's been um, a very historic and concerning time in Canadian history. And like I was saying, it's an honor to serve Canadians at this critical time. Yeah. Every time uh, we hear you speak, you always speak about unity. And talk to me about that seems to be a very important thing to you. Well, it, you know, Canada is a very difficult country uh, to govern if you just consider our Canadian history. It takes a lot of hard work from our prime minister to keep the West and the East united, the rural and urban united to keep French and English. And now we're seeing with the pandemic that there are fractures in our Canadian unity, that there have been, uh, there has been a lot of harm done to the soul of our nation during the past two years. And so I feel that we have to start as leaders from a point where what, what can we do to unify Canadians? What can we do to work together and to come together with peace and love and harmony? I think that that's critical on how all leaders should be approaching the situation. I've been very pleased uh, to see premiers across the country begin using this language. Let's come together. Let's be peaceful. Um, but we have yet to see that from our prime minister. Yeah, there's so many negative headlines and so many confusing differences, even in reporting. Is that what you're hearing from your constituents? There's a lot, again, a lot, that division, I think, is reflected down to the very grassroots level in this country. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of concern for the future with the prime minister recently invoking the Emergency Measures Act, which means he has emergency powers, which is an unprecedented move. Um, there's a lot of anxiety about what that means uh, from all sides of this debate. And so, again, we are looking for those answers, but we have yet to be assured that Canadian rights and liberties will be respected in the coming days and weeks by the prime minister. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that, but I, I was going to ask you this, like, the most advanced countries of the world out there, they're basically transitioning into an endemic phase for COVID and Canada isn't. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's concerning. Uh, most recently, I helped initiate a conservative opposition day motion, an important tool of our democracy to have all parties in the House of Commons debate uh, the motion which called for the government, very reasonably so, to bring forward a plan by the end of the month, by the end of February, that presents a clear roadmap with scientific uh, basis and clear dates and uh, to give Canadians hope that this federal government has a plan to bring us forward out of these uh, past two difficult years. Unfortunately, the Liberal government teamed up with the NDP and defeated that very reasonable motion. And now I wanted to bring that forward in Parliament because I felt that it may provide uh, the real opportunity to lower the temperature to ensure Canadians who are suffering have felt heard and again, if we wanted to be political, we could have uh, made the timeline much shorter. We could have been unreasonable. Instead, I wanted to put politics aside at this critical time and call for a reasonable timeline to bring forward a plan to Canadians to give them hope that we are getting out of this. And yet we, that was defeated and the Liberals have not presented the plan. It's interesting that they're using such strong language like economic terrorists and going after bank accounts. Um, we're hearing about bank accounts being frozen. Are you hearing uh, of people whose accounts have been frozen or corporations? We are hearing just a bit of hearsay right now that coming in. It's very concerning. 
I've not received anything uh, that's been substantiated. But when uh, the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, Christian Freeland, also our Finance Minister, on Monday, when she spoke at the press conference, that historic press conference that was led by the Prime Minister, uh, what she said seemed to indicate that if you have participated uh, in this uh, protest in any way, the banks now have the authority to freeze your bank accounts and to report you to the RCMP and to CSIS, which is our uh, Canadian Intelligence and Spy Agency. Very, very serious and drastic measures. And we are asking for clarity, and it's not just us. Uh, we are seeing the news media and journalists across the country, legal experts, also raise the alarm on this. It was part of headline news last night when I did a CTV power play with Evan Solomon. We Canadians are concerned about this. Re regardless of how you feel about the aims of the protest, we should all be concerned that the Prime Minister has evoked emergency powers that can seize Canadian bank accounts. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, as the message goes out there that we need to come together, uh, especially when it comes to politics, we can't, you know, one side can't want to win, uh, literally at the cost of freedoms and setting precedents uh, that can affect us for, for generations. You're gonna, there's going to be a, a vote in the, in the House of Commons and in the Senate. And uh, do you feel like the legal standard has been met in this area for them to invoke this act? Well, the legal standard, the threshold seems to be if there's a, a threat to national security, public safety, uh, legal experts seem to be divided, constitutional experts seem to be divided. I know that there's a, a lot of discussions happening with all parties, including the Conservative Party, of whether that threshold was met to institute these unprecedented, extreme and drastic emergency powers by the Prime Minister. We will be debating this vigorously in the House of Commons in the coming days, and it's my expectation that we will be able to review further expert legal opinions on this to find those answers. But at first blush, I would say that, you know, to be honest, I've been walking right, like right past that convoy in the protest in Ottawa the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. And what I'm seeing is women with baby carriages. What I'm seeing is children in snowsuits and bouncy councils. I'm seeing essentially what looks like a big block party with music. Now we can say that this is a great irritant, that those trucks are blockading illegally, that those people need to go home. But whether that they are posing a threat to national security, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing that. I do feel that if that was the case, uh, members of parliament and our staff should have been told not to come to parliament. And yet we have never been told that. And in fact, uh, we were there, we we're, you know, many of them, I'm calling from Winnipeg, but many of us are there today. And um, so again, I, there, again, it is important for viewers to know that we don't have all the intelligence that government has. We don't have all the inside information that the RCMP has. But from what we see on the outside, it does not appear to be the threshold being met. But again, we have to consult with legal experts. Exactly. I was talking with um, one of the Ottawa councillors and in just questioning them, asking them, like, are you really getting inundated with phone calls uh, from Ottawa residents? And he said, no, we've had lots worse. And I found that very interesting <clears throat> because, of course, the honking and some of the stuff can be a real problem. But um, it makes it sound as though this is just beyond belief as never have seen before troubling to the Ottawa residents. And that's not what we got from him uh, when we spoke with him. Um, when, as far as the discussion goes in the Conservative caucus, what's happening back there right now? Well, I can't say what we're saying in private, of course, that's caucus confidentiality. But what I can say is that we have Canadians backs. Uh, first and foremost, as conservatives, we believe in our charter rights, that you have the right to peacefully assemble, to peacefully protest lawfully. 
but also as conservatives, we do not believe in illegal blockades, not of pipeline construction, not of railways, not of highways, not of roads or bridges. We were pleased and are pleased to see that the Windsor Ambassador Bridge blockade has come down. That was costing our economy uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. We are pleased to see that the Emerson blockade mm -hmm. seems to be coming down. There are indications that may end today. Coots, Alberta, same thing. And uh, as well in Ottawa, their estimates have now said there may be only 150 people there uh, in the last couple of days. So we're pleased to see this de-escalate, but I will say that that is by no effort and no support from the Prime Minister. He has been largely absent from this when he has come out. That has been to hurl insults and to call names and to further divide and inflame the situation. And then his first act in this crisis that we are facing, it was to come out with a sledgehammer and to invoke these incredible, extreme and drastic emergency powers. And that was on Monday. So again, at the top line, I would say that this, bit, this has been an incredible failure of his leadership to lead this country out of this peacefully, to lower the temperature and to bring Canadians together in our greatest time of need. So is there a, are we differentiating between uh, the Ottawa uh, peaceful protest and then the borders? Are they all being lumped together? I do believe that the uh, illegal blockade elements of this protest are being lumped together with the innocent Canadians that are lawfully and peacefully protesting and exercising their freedom to express uh, their, uh, their uh, disagreement with the political and policy decisions made by various levels of government. I do believe that is a critical distinction to make that does not seem to be being made in the public discourse, in public media, or by the governing Liberal Party. And that is disappointing. Again, I have walked by the protesters. Uh, I've also walked by the trucks that are legally blockading roadways. And to me, those are two different things. And that is important for us to remember. There People have every right to peacefully protest. I worked at the Manitoba legislature for a number of years, and there were pro peaceful protests every couple of weeks there. And sometimes they went on for days and weeks and even months. So this is an important piece of our democracy, and it needs to be respected. But again, as a conservative on principle, I could not support and do not support illegal blockades. Mm -hmm. So like, are we hearing anything from the government? Like they've in invoked this thing um, and like this huge hammer, which everybody's wondering, you know, if, if citizens have put in $20 when it was peaceful and looked fine, uh, are they involved? But are we hearing anything uh, about the direction of what they're going to do with these newfound powers? We have no clarity on the banking issue. And I think that may be one of the most concerning, uh, there are many concerning elements to this, but that may be one of the most concerning because it is the most relatable. We all have bank accounts, we pay our mortgage, we pay our bills. Uh, many of us have donated to crowdfunding websites for various things over the last number of years since it's become an option online. And to think that a mother in the suburbs of Winnipeg who was too afraid to be vaccinated and donated $20 or $50 to a protest standing up for her right to have bodily autonomy, to think that that $50 donation from her would now mean that the bank could freeze her bank account uh, stop doing business with her and report her to the RCMP and CSIS seems extremely drastic. And so that is an area of great concern to me and to conservatives and frankly should be a concern to everyone in Canada. So we will be debating this vigorously in the coming days and weeks in Parliament to get those answers. Yeah, we definitely need wise leadership. What does that look like? What what should be happening with the government? What should they be I, doing right now? Well, I, 
You know, I think we should have seen wise leadership six months ago. We know now from a liberal MP, and uh, I suspected this, but we know now that during that $600 million unnecessary election this past summer and fall that the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau made the purposeful decision to divide Canadians on the politics of, they made it political vaccine mandates and COVID. They made that decision on purpose to divide Canadians for their own selfish gain. And since then, we've seen the temperature rising. And then as countries around the world were coming out of this, provinces were beginning to announce we were gonna come out of this, the Liberal Prime Minister Justin Trudeau brought forward a mandate for truckers crossing the border who have been, they've been all diligently uh, serving our communities for two years. Mm -hmm. And with no scientific basis, he brought that down in the middle of January. So, and that's what sparked this, I believe, across the country, really lit a flame to something that's been simmering for quite some time. We uh, originally, when the protests began and they were completely peaceful and lawful, we called for an olive branch from the prime minister to go and talk to them, hear their concerns, hear the concerns of millions of Canadians they represent. That did not happen. He only inflamed the situation. We uh, asked for a them to vote in favor of our reasonable motion, for them to bring forward a plan by the end of the month to present Canadians with a roadmap to safely get out of this, to do away with restrictions and mandates. They voted against that. So we've given them every opportunity. We've given them every opportunity to be leaders and to show compassion. We've passionately called on compassionate leadership from the prime minister and he has thus far refused to do that. And I just find it as a Canadian and as a patriot of this country, I find it profoundly disappointing that when Canadians are so hurting and so suffering that we would have a leader of this country that would make zero effort to bring us together and to lower the temperature. I, I, I've been shocked to say the least that we are here. This could have been avoided with better leadership. When you feel like there's any international pressure uh, that is being brought to bear here as country after country, they literally, we are seeing, they'll, they'll fly the Canadian flag with theirs and call it the freedom flag. Um, they're starting up uh, all sorts of peaceful protests and convoys. Do you feel there's any international pressure that is helping us here? What's your thoughts on that? It is uh, remarkable to see that the, you know, a group of Canadian truckers, uh, brave people who just said they're going to go to Ottawa and peacefully protest, sparked a movement across the world and gave a voice, I think, to millions of people around the world who have been ignored, millions of people who have been ostracized from society because of their personal health choices. Uh, I think that that is something that cannot be ignored by legislators and lawmakers. And that's why we're seeing provinces move forward with plans to reopen. Uh, there has been international pressure on the other side, uh, if we look at the other side of this, from our American counterparts concerning the Ambassador Bridge. That is the number one artery for trade in our country, and it was blocked for nearly a week. So we did uh, receive significant pressure, from my understanding, from governments in the United States that that needs to be reopened. I'm glad that it has been. So it's interesting to see what impact uh, a group of blue-collar workers can have uh, across the world. I think that there's something to be said for that. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, there's a... There's a huge trust problem uh, that is so huge as we have people on the ground there who are gathering news and we're doing lives and, and just showing the world what's happening there. We, it's not just in the truckers. There's a massive disconnect. There's such so little trust and we really do need. This is a time for 
you know, any political party, any person in, in a form of leadership, which is influence, whether it's business or healthcare or doctors, uh, you know, this is a time to stand up and to be heard and, uh, and make sure that freedom is something we're all looking at. Uh, what do we need to do to bridge that gap? I would agree. It's time to use your voice. And I know it's been scary. This has been a very polarizing time. And I've said this um, very open and honest in my speeches in the House of Commons. This is a very intimidating thing to talk about. And I remember that first, I did three speeches on this in the last two weeks. And that first speech, I my heart was pounding. And I thought, oof, I even prepared my staff. I said, look, I'm going to talk about this. Get prepared for the vitriol and, and the abuse that's going to come. But what's interesting, um, perhaps it's, you know, when you dig deep and speak from the heart, um, it never came. Like there, there was never vitriol. Like we have a couple of people that have disagreed, but overall people just seem to be grateful that politicians are finally speaking out and speaking from the heart and being honest about what they're hearing from their constituents. And um, I'm, I'm just glad that I, that I was able to bring forward that courage, to be honest, because I feel that it helped spark part of this conversation in democratic discourse that we're now seeing. So, you know, sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, in our, in this technological age, people have an ability to begin to search for voices that speak truth, that are uncensored, and that don't, don't give pieces of the truth, but the whole truth. Um, and so uh, as they find them, I think they begin to lock on and they begin to listen to them. And I think that really helps the more voices that rise up and begin to just speak truth, just refuse to gloss it over, refuse to ignore things. What should Canadians do? Um, you know, we're all kind of watching. Everybody feels powerless. Some, some are at the place that we should give up already. This has gone too far. But what should Canadians be doing in the middle of all this? You know, should they be using their freedoms to speak up? I absolutely encourage people to uh, write to their elected officials. Uh, that is something, and I know many of viewers will have already done that. But that needs to be done. We need to keep up the 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 pressure on politicians to be accountable to the people they represent so that the politicians that represent all this, including myself as a representative, that we hear from you what the impact of our policies have been. Now, I'm not in government, but I am a representative of nearly 100,000 Canadians here in Winnipeg. And we need to hear from you. The Liberal politicians need to hear from you. NDP politicians, which the NDP has been voting alongside the Liberals for quite some time, they need to hear from you. And our provincial politicians as well need to feel that positive encouragement that they're on the right path of reopening. It is, again, a scary thing to do given these circumstances. So I would encourage people to reach out. That's something that they can easily do. But I would ask uh, that everyone be Canadian. They be polite, respectful, lawful, and peaceful. It is important that we all lead by example, even when it's challenging. I know tensions are high. People have been severely, severely suffering. I recognize that. But do what you can to be polite, peaceful, respectful, law-abiding citizens uh, in this time. We need to lead by example. Yes, that's so true. Where do you think um, social media fits in all this? I mean, social media has just literally taken over by storm to the place where, I mean, big tech is trying to silence things, government's trying to silence things around the world. What about people using 
that to share truth. You know, I think social media has really democratized the sharing of information uh, at a degree that, you know, we've never seen before. It's quite incredible. Uh, I shared uh, one of my speeches a couple of weeks ago, went viral around the world. We heard from people everywhere from France to the UK to California and the United States. It was quite incredible that people now have the freedom to share their thoughts and information at uh, lightning speed across the globe. Um, but we are seeing governments in Canada uh, try to regulate and restrict that freedom as well. In the last parliament, uh, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau brought forward the Bill C-10, you may have heard of that one, uh, which was going to regulate all social media users, including you and I. And uh, we effectively defeated that and ensured it didn't uh, pass in parliament. However, they've now brought forward a new, stronger version of that. And we're just learning about it now, and it will be debated in the coming days and weeks. So there is a concerted effort from some governments across the world to uh, stifle the democratic debate we're seeing online. And that's a grave concern to me and should be a grave concern to all Canadians. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I really encourage people that wherever you hear truth, wherever you find, um, you know, strength and uh, non-censorship, any voices, it's time to start sharing them and getting them out there so that mainstream media isn't the only place uh, that people go for their information. I think m a lot of people are moving off of just mainstream media and, and hearing what else is going on. And I think that's smart uh, with, with what is ahead of us. But Raquel, thank you so much for being with me today. And uh, we encourage you, everybody that'll stand for freedom, uh, you know, across the parties, this is so important and we appreciate that message of unity that you're bringing forth. Thank you very much. I'm honored to, uh, to be with you today. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I know I represent many, many folks who watch your show. So I'm very glad to be, to be on here with you today and uh, take care of yourself. And I'll keep uh, fighting for Canadians in Ottawa to the best of my ability. Thank you, Raquel. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.